Hmm. Harsh, but effective. Welcome everyone to episode 114 of The Cool Room. Uh, very special episode this afternoon where we're going to be joined by both Valhalla and Loophole Brewing. Uh, I'm editing this podcast in early January. It's taken us a little while to get through some of our pre-recorded podcasts from December. We're going to try to be a whole lot more up to date from here on in. Thank you for bearing with us. Uh, a difficult January in Australian hospo land. Our thoughts are very much with everyone at the moment who is either trying to run a business or work in hospitality uh, as COVID once again makes life very difficult. We hope that you're all healthy and well and uh, managing to earn money and have an effective business if you're working in hospo land at the moment and really hoping that things get a whole lot better in uh, the weeks and months to come. Um, there's certainly going to be uh, some good times coming up in the cool room. We've got some awesome guests coming up in January. We've got the return of Casper from Ale Farm in Denmark. Uh, was a real favourite last time he was on the show. Amazing beers, amazing can design and things to talk about. Uh, he designs all his own cans. Truly one of the most amazing conversations that we've had in the podcast. Uh, looking forward to returning to discussing those kinds of things with him. Uh, we've got Lupulin Brewing from the US coming on the show next week. We've got Wayward from New South Wales, and we're really hoping that we're all going to be able to get together at the Flemington and Kensington Bowls Club on the afternoon of Sunday, the 23rd of January, to review the hottest 100 beers, uh, do some blind tastings and enjoy each other's company. Uh, all of those things are contained in our January pack, uh, there's only three of those left as I record this podcast, uh, so if you want one, search for our Shopify, just go Cool Room Shopify in Google and you'll find that and hunt out the January pack. Uh, pretty obviously, they're going to sell out. It's a great reason to be a subscriber to our packs, and that way at the beginning of every month, uh, you know that you've got all the beers that you're going to need to enjoy our live events, uh, both on Zoom and in the flesh. Uh, it's a great way just to help us plan and make sure that we've got all of our logistics organised so that the delivery gnomes know when and where they have to go places as well. So it's a big help for us. And of course, speaking of subscriptions, if you haven't already subscribed to the podcast in whatever uh, podcast platform you listen to us on, we really hope that you can do that as well. It's helpful again, just for our numbers, and that helps us to get enormous fun guests, uh, particularly for the overseas ones who may not know uh, what we do here in Australia uh, in terms of our podcast and our live shows, but when we can point them to how many downloads and listeners we get, that makes a big difference. So do that and rate and review us and uh, help spread the word about The Cool Room if you can. Uh, anyhow, that's enough little chatter from me. Looking forward to seeing you all in January. And now on with today's show with Valhalla and Loophole. Tom, Scott, welcome to The Cool Room, guys. How are we? Good. Good. Yeah, good, mate. Oh, this is great. I think I'm now starting to get into gear, that's for sure, as... Um... But yeah, it's all it's all new to me. But this is this is cool. It's working. Good to hear. Yeah, I'm good too. I'm good. Um, just here in Torquay, out in the back shed. So uh, hopefully there won't be any unexpected noises. But uh, 
probably the, the safest and quietest part of the house. It's, it wouldn't be the cool room if there weren't unexpected noises on our There's records, Scott. It's pretty, it's, it's pretty normal around here. It's you know just kind of how we roll. Um, guys, before we kind of kick things off in talking about the beers, uh, give us a bit of an introduction. Let's, let's start with you, Scott, because we're going to talk about uh, your beers first. Um, no, we're going to talk about Tom's beers first, I think, just Scott, to prove that we, we have no idea what's going on tonight. Exactly. <laughs> Tom, <laughs> let's um, let's start with you, Tom. Give us a give us a bit of an intro before we uh, we get on to your beers. Yeah, too easy. Um, we are um, a small brewery located down near Robe in uh, the southeastern part of uh, South Australia on the on the coast. Here, we're actually our brewery is in the middle of uh, a vineyard, Cape Jaffa Wines Vineyard, um, which is yeah, just a, a obviously a beautiful place to um, set up shop, but um, you know there's a lot of overlap what we do here between uh, what we're doing in the brewery, in the vineyard, or in the winery, um, and obviously um, that's got a sense of place with uh, using our um, spring water and um, and I guess yeah the fruit from the vineyard. So uh, we've been making beer here for a few years. And um, I think as part of that sort of relationship of collaborating with the winery and um, me having done a vintage as a sabbatical between jobs a few years ago, which sort of kicked off um, the setup of the brewery. Uh, Yeah, very much so the the sort of beer that you're drinking right now, while it's definitely uh, a sort of pretty fun and casual sort of um, beer to, to make and drink, um, it's really evolved out of that uh, collaboration where, um, you know, feeling confidence in using fruit to give um, flavour and acidity um, and, you know, just try and make beers really easy to drink. So, um, yeah, that's uh, hopefully you guys are in- enjoying it. I can certainly tell you a bit more detail about uh, what goes into it. We are we are totally gonna go down that path very very soon. Um, before we do, we've also got uh, Scott from Valhalla here, uh, and it would be remiss of me if we didn't get you to give an intro as well before we jump back to Tom and talk about the beers. Uh, Scott, give us an intro, mate. Thank you. Uh, well, Valhalla Brewing are based in Geelong, um, and um, we've I've been on the podcast before, so probably. Some of your regular listeners might, might have already heard a bit of the story, but uh, we've been going for about five, six years now. Um, still currently what's known as a Gypsy Brewer. Um, uh, thankfully, very proud to have won uh, AIBA Award um, Champion Gypsy Brewer this year, so well, that was fantastic. But um, not always going to be a Gypsy Brewer, definitely working towards getting our own brewery, but, um, but it's, it's been a good journey so far, so... Uh, we have a tap room in Geelong, which uh, allows us to serve our beers directly to our customers, you know, in the environment we love. And, uh, yeah, so that's sort of Valhalla in a, in a nutshell. I sort of do want to just do a bit of a crossover with Loophole, though, and probably one of the synergies here is that we have done a couple of collaborations with Loophole, and I can definitely attest to them being based in a beautiful part of the world and uh, a great setup over there. And um, we've done some, a couple of co-fermented uh, sours with them, which has been a fantastic experience. So, 
Uh, it's good to have us both on at the same time. Can, yeah, can I ask on that on that note? Sometimes when we're getting people to sort of talk about each other, do you remember guys the first time that you met? Like, you know, how, how did you actually get in contact with each other, Scott? How is it that you ended up helping with the distribution? Tom's looking there; he's got a big smile on his face. I'm presuming that means you met at a bar or something like that. Oh, we would have met at a bar. I think uh, it was uh, it would have been a bar in Adelaide and. Uh, it was through the distribution. It was actually through one of Tom's side projects uh, called Sunlight Liquor, where they, they produced mead. Um, and so, yeah, I met Tom originally through that. And I think Tom was working elsewhere at the time as a brewer. And, um, uh, yeah, so yeah, so that was through a different project altogether, which is great. Yeah, right. Does that sound right, Tom? Yeah, no, that's it. That, that brings back memories. That goes back a few years um, ago. Um and uh, yeah, we've uh, got a side project with a business partner of mine, a mate from, from uni who keeps bees. And uh, yeah, uh, it's like a sparkling session mead sort of small label thing. And Scott, yeah, he's um, through Lotus, um, distributes, it, distributes it through Victoria. And then when Loophole started up, it was um, a natural thing to have a chat to Scott about um, loophole beers, but then uh, yeah, it was it was a great vintage last year, and getting to do a couple of collab beers that Scott's referred to. One was a co-ferment with some Pinot Gris from the block out the, directly out the front of the brewery, which is always kind of cool to sort of see that block grow across the year, um, as well as uh, a really nifty Shiraz sour, which um, yeah, it was some really impressive. Uh, malts that, that Scott he worked out into that grist and yeah it's been a it's been a fun um, yeah it's been fun collaborating with Scott that's for sure and hopefully a fair bit more in the future. It's funny yes. you mentioned that Shiraz. Sorry to jump in. It's funny you mentioned that Shiraz sour. Uh, they just not long tapped the keg of it down at the Y River Hotel. I don't know if any of you've been down to Y River Hotel, but it's a it's an incredible spot to have a beer. One of the most beautiful parts of the world and luckily for for me it's you know kind of just down the road about an hour and a half away but um i've had uh i've already had a couple of text messages to, to, uh, today saying i've just been uh drinking your shiraz sour on tap how can i get a slab so one guy actually <laughs> stopped in at the the tap room this afternoon on his way back from melbourne because he uh, he loved it so much so uh yeah they've been really fun beers really great you know new experience for me co-fermenting with, with with great skins and juice but um yeah great results so really great beers yeah, yeah that's, that's, sounds awesome. It's probably a good little reminder for us. I mean, we have a lot of international uh, listeners, and it's one of those things that, you know, we we can get a picture very easily of where you both are. But for some of the internationals, you know, over in Russia of all places is big. I don't know whether that means that they're fishing here for information. about. But um, can you guys just give us a little bit more detail about where in Australia we are and what it does look like out the window in Robe or in Geelong? Um but they're both pretty special places. Yeah, well, I, I'm a lot. Our brewery, we're based in Geelong, which is uh, Victoria's second city. It's about an hour and a bit down the road from Melbourne. Um, a really growing city, like incredibly growing. When you see, look out the window and see a bunch of cranes in the sky, and and uh, you know, it starts taking twice as long to get home at rush hour. You know that the city's growing. Um, but I actually live down in, in Torquay on the on the surf coast, and uh, yeah, a beautiful part of, of Australia and 
uh, not far from Bells Beach, which uh, is a famous surf beach. Um, and then, yeah, I mentioned Wye River, which is down the coast a bit further. But, um, yeah, really beautiful part of the world, which we have in common with, uh, with Loophole, of course. Yeah, totally. And, uh, you know, in the scheme of Australia, yeah, you really just have to follow that coastline around for another few hours from Scott heading west over. Um, yeah, we're not far across the border from Victoria, only a couple of hours. And, um, and yeah, like a, a similar climate to, to a degree. But I guess where this part of the coastline gets its name from, then the limestone coast, um, yeah, we've got, um, yeah, like a, a, a lot of limestone around. In fact, the, uh, the aquifer that I was talking about before, where we get our water from, um, yeah, it's under 12 metres of limestone down here. So, yeah, it's a Mediterranean climate, so fantastic for growing wine and also barley, which we're lucky to get basically on our doorstep here in South Australia. Um, and, uh, yeah, and I guess... As well, it's a pretty, um, you know, low populated area down here. So to score a brewing job uh, by the beach um, down here is is awesome. And if you haven't visited Robe, you should you should definitely. It's um, a great place to visit. Absolutely, Robe's a beautiful town. Beautiful it is. Great yeah, time. very much so. Yeah. Shall we uh, shall we move on, guys, and start talking about some some beer? The guys in the Zoom room tonight are all picking up their glasses as I am, and I'm slowly sipping it because I don't want to drink it too quickly. Um, Tom, let's uh, let's start us off. We are, we're going to start talking about the uh, Mango Passion Sour from you guys, um, and then we'll have one more of your beers and then move on to the Valhalla beers. Um, start by uh, giving us a, a bit of an insight into, into the beer. Uh, yeah, well, this beer here, it's, um, you know, it's nothing too, too serious, like compared to, uh, the sours that we make in vintage time when they're harvesting the grapes, um, and sort of doing those co-fermentations on, on the, the grapes or the skins. Um, uh, whereas this here is, uh, yeah, I guess something, um, where we're using uh, mango puree, using passion fruit juice. In fact, this um, beer is uh, part in a rotating um, sour recipe, uh, which draws a lot on uh, wheat and oats to help give it protein and uh, a nice soft mouthfeel. Um, and ultimately to give you the ability to form uh, haze with the fruit, um, you know, to help with a lot of flavor. Uh, we're a little bit maybe different in the fact that we've got a fair bit more alcohol um, in our beers, I guess, uh, well, in this beer in particular. And really, um, mainly that's around being able to give like some more weight in the beer to help uh, balance uh, the, the acidity that's there from a lactic acid fermentation uh, that we do prior to the fruit. So... Yeah, a lot going on in every mouth, uh, in every mouthful, but it's, um, yeah, I guess it's it's really what it's trying to do on the can. It's sort of uh, we got inspiration from fruited lassies. Um, also a bit strange, but uh, in uh, some travels 
um, uh, got to, you know, apart from having lassies, but also uh, seeing how, you know, that, that play on using, um, you know, lactic acid in beverages. Um, and certainly with starting work here at Cape Jaffa Wines and sort of looking at a winemaker's approach with using different structural acids. Uh, yeah, it was um, a lot of fun to come up with a beer that's, um, you know, got a lot of lactic acid and fruit in it. You're talking about travelling there. Does this, you know, does this beer and these flavours sort of bring particular memories to mind for you? <laughs> well, uh, it's a, it's a, I'm laughing because I probably shouldn't have went down here because it would sound a bit weird, but um, not to say that the flavours um, in this series of beers is similar to this this memory that sort of started this um, this idea around sour beers for me, but uh, I went to Mongolia and got to drink um, <laughs> uh, like a, a, a nomadic herd of beverage um, called Arak, which is fermented mare's milk. <laughs> and I don't know whether uh, anyone's had the pleasure to try it. It's really interesting in that it's kind of like a yogurt fermentation, but because uh, mare's milk has a bit more sugar in it than like cow's milk or goat's milk. Um, it actually forms ethanol and it becomes spritzy. And uh, yeah, spritzy, yogurt, alcoholic. And um, yeah, you pass a bowl around, you know, uh, a group of people and you drink that. And I think um, that was a sort of a moment that I sort of uh, thought about with making sour beers and particularly trying to get protein and haze in there with the wheat and the oats. It's, yeah, it's an interesting memory, that's for sure. Whereabouts in Mongolia, Ulaanbaatar or sort of further out in the... In the um, yeah, this, this was on a little bit of a trek um, from Ulaanbaatar, but uh, where was it? It was up near like Lake Hobskul, which is a pretty, uh, I think it's, it's on the tourist trail, that's for sure, but it's quite amazing how from Ulaanbaatar, you sort of get out into the steppe country where all of the, the multi-species grazing happens and, and you really start to see how the nomadic um, herders in their camps sort of subsist. And, um, yeah, that, that drink is like a great example of, you know, uh, what how they have a good time in summer. They, uh, they've got all the grass, they milk the horses and they drink arak. It's pretty cool. I was supposed to go and do an ultra marathon up in that part of the world once, but that's another story. We won't skip on all that. Um, oh, well, yeah, you definitely knock off a few of them after the end of that race, I reckon. Absolutely, but this is this is delicious and very breakfasty, as a few people have noted in the uh, in the chat. Um, it's it's a great beer to be starting out our adventures tonight. Yeah, awesome. I'm glad you're liking it. It's. Tom, can yeah, I just get you to talk a bit about um, uh, the yeast you use? Because uh, a lot of kettle sours, certainly the ones I make and the one we'll talk about a bit later, we use uh, lactobacillus in the kettle to sour the beer. But you use the Philly sour, right, which is, actually happens in the fermenter. So uh, I, yeah, I guess no, people might be interested in that a little bit. Great question. Yeah, that's a good pickup, Scott. We, um, yeah, that's right. This is quite different uh, to sort of how a lot of sours is still made and certainly if, a couple of years ago, it was all kettle sours, but um, 
This one's not actually Philly sour, but it's the same uh, fam family or species, I should say, Lachancia. So it's uh, this yeast is from a different laboratory to Lalaman who do Philly sour, but it acts the same. Uh, you pitch it um, first into the fermenter um, before Saccharomyces yeast and the Lachancia. It does a little bit of alcoholic conversion, but it's mainly about producing lactic acid uh, through glycolysis. And uh, you basically pick the pH that you want to get down to um, happening over several days. When you're happy with the pH, you add the Saccharomyces and finish off the alcoholic ferment. And um, it's, yeah, really, really easy to use, but it's um, you... It definitely produces a cleaner style of sour, and uh, it, you know, it makes a lot of sense in in the process as well. Uh, so that yeast, it's, um, yeah, I think it's been a real, real game changer, and it's something that we we used in the the Pinot Gris sour um, earlier this year that we did with Valhalla as well. So it's definitely got an application across a lot of different sour beer styles. Yeah, nice. That's actually that was a great question there, Scott, because that was going to sort of be my next question, and you beat me to it. That's an awesome explanation, though. That's worked really well. Um, I think everyone in the Zoom room is all saying the same thing. This is juicy as um, it's super smashable. Uh, David, what's your take on it? Oh, look, absolutely. I, I personally get more of the mango flavour than I do with the passion fruit, although the passion fruit just comes through at the end probably to help just sort of clean up and, and make that a little bit fresher in the mouth. But um, this is delicious. The the 6.2% very well hidden, I've got to say, Tom. Like you could yeah. you handed me this and said it was 4%, I'd believe you. Yeah, cheers. Oh, that's, that's a pretty good sign of it. I think, um, yeah, we... It's one of those ones where you kind of uh, it's it's a hard one because uh, it would be it's it's pretty easy to finish that first can and you kind of got to hold yourself back a little bit but um, it's uh, I don't know it's it's about impact yeah there's a lot of everything in the beer a lot of um, the fruit in there as well but um, at least uh, it's you know it's something that uh, it's memorable and. Hopefully, it, uh, it's this is it's nearly a core range product for us now. That sour, um, and yeah, like for instance, uh, we've got a strawberry and raspberry version of it. And then today we added the fruit to a pineapple, guava, and lime version that we'll be able to package in a, about three weeks' time. So it's um, yeah, it's 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 definitely fun using different fruit combinations and um so far we we haven't really found a fruit that doesn't work in with the base uh beer the, the brew that we make um and i think a lot of that comes from that co-fermentation with the lachancia and the saccharomyces not just because of the lactic acid but it's this beer when it's fermenting day two day three day four before we've added the fruits, it already smells like peaches and mango. Uh, that the Lachancia yeast really adds, um, you know, a lot of a lot of aroma to this beer before the fruit even gets there. I was going to ask you where it sat within your 
your core range, uh, you know, uh, very shortly we're going to move on to the next beer. But um, it, it, does this now become core range for you guys? Yeah, definitely. It's um, it's now something that we are going to keep uh, brewing throughout the year. Uh, that's for sure. I mean, we, we definitely really focus on using the fruit in our backyard, uh, the different grape varietals in harvest time. But, um, but yeah, no, this, this beer and the strawberry raspberry version of them is something that we are um, always going to keep stock of. Um, and that in particularly uh, as we grow our little brewery to distribute further um, uh, east, east Coast, up north, where, you know, there's a bit more demand for the for that product for the year, that's for sure. But um, it's good to see you guys have found it over in Victoria and beyond. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. Is there a, is there a fruit combination you've wanted to try within this range that you haven't tried yet? Um, yeah, well, probably this latest version that we just fruited today, um, what we've understood with this beer to get a consistent um, mouthfeel and haze, uh, you, there is a, you've got to select sort of the right fruit. It's, um, uh, for instance, the mango in the beer you're currently drinking. Uh, it's, a, it's a puree, and I think that that pulp helps create the longer chain um, polyphenols, which are the haze. And really the haze is key to this beer because it's softening um, the lactic acid and the other fruit flavours. So the mango is really important in that, in, in that beer. Um, but uh, likewise, the guava that we added today to this tank of been mentioning, it's doing that same job of helping sort of create that, that haze that makes the beer a lot more, more drinkable. So I'm excited about that combination, that's for sure. Yeah, perfect. Um, David, I think I, I reckon most people in the Zoom room have smashed through this, um, and now it's probably a, a worthy time to move on to our second loophole beer for the the night. Um, timely IPA. I think timely is the is the correct word to use right now. Um, so for those in the Zoom room, make sure you've got your your can open. Um, I guess. Tom, we are we're moving from the sour to a to another juicy drink. Um, give us a let. Why don't we start by talking about the the brewing process of this, and then we'll move on to sort of maybe a bit of a comparison on the two. Uh, yeah, sure. You want to know? It's actually pretty interesting um, talking about these two beers in succession because all of those things are was speaking about in regards to the brew and the grist having high protein with the wheat and the oats um, to help with that haze formant, ferment, uh, formation in the, in the fermentation. Um, yeah, it's actually the same concept with this juicy IPA, uh, which is using, I mean, uh, yeah, wheat and oats, uh, mashing it in a, in a way and boiling it in a way that you're not, that you're going to get that protein carry through to tank. And uh, in this case, um, uh, we're not we're obviously not souring the beer, but we're 
adding the hops at specific times uh, in that fermentation to uh, get biotransformation to again make those longer chain molecules, the polyphenols, to get that haze to help soften and balance out um, all of those, uh, you know, really pungent hop characters and the astringency you get when you use um, a lot of them as well. So um, by getting all of that hop flavour into solution, um, yeah, it's where you get that real juicy effect coming through. And uh, it's this is all about the three hops we use, and I'm sure you guys would recognise um, a few of the hype hops there. But, yes, yeah, it's, it's pretty fun throwing bags and bags of hops into a tank, that's for sure. Fun or just a little bit scary as well, perhaps? Is there any, some, that, that little bit of fear? Oh. Like, do you do a test batch of this first or do you just trust your arm? Um, oh, yeah, no, it's, it's a scary process. I'm sure you've seen the YouTube videos of when you uh, you got to be careful when you're chucking hops into a fermenting beer, uh, that's for sure. But, um, yeah, you just got to act quick and be mindful of that and don't fumble. And now so far they've worked out all really, really good, but we've definitely made sure to keep a phone camera rolling uh, when we do it because um, <laughs> it seems like it's a rite of passage in the industry, that's for sure. We we will get to we'll get to disasters at some point. We in the will. Conversation. We will. <laughs> um, yet again, at six point eight percent, what what are we talking? Two point one standard drinks. It's dangerously. It's it doesn't taste like a like a six point eight percent. It's. Um, I kind of wish we were back in lockdown where I didn't have to work the next day because this is <laughs> so good. Can I ask maybe about the three hops? You talk about high pops. These might be sort of the three high pops of the year. I'm happy for other people to type into the chat other options. We've got Eclipse. We've got uh, what? Have we, what have we got? Uh, Sabro, obviously. Idaho Seven. For people who are a bit newer and listening to the podcast and tasting this beer at home, what do each of them bring to the party? Um, yeah, well, I can probably only talk about uh, in, in regards to them using this beer and the different timings that we use for the for the hops. But we'd had a bit of experience in previous versions of this sort of rotating hazy IPA juicy beer with Eclipse, being the you know the new it hop um, produced by HPA here in Australia, uh, which is um, uh, yeah, and it's amazing hop to use. Like, it is what it describes as that real pithy Mandarin character. Um, and, you know, maybe a bit of a difference to, uh, like, Galaxy and Big Secret um, and, you know, the sort of, uh, you know, the more often used um, Australian hops, established Australian hops with the tropical fruit angle. Um, so we use the clips... Um, hot side mainly and a fair bit I guess and then a fair bit in fermenter but it was really the feature hot side hop in this beer um, and then yeah uh, you know Idaho 7 that's you know definitely bringing the tropical fruit angle to there but also 
you know, uh, I don't know, it's hard to put the, the, uh, an exact name on it, but something that's also, you know, sort of got this quintessential American hop vibe, maybe a little bit dank and all of that. And then, uh, yeah, Sabro, yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing how popular Sabro has become in the last year or so. And, um, yeah, that, that hop there, it's, yeah, brings that sort of really nice back end, uh, yeah, coconut plays around with that sort of maybe fleshy mouth, creamy mouth feel that comes from the, the haze as well. Um, the, um... Sorry, Tom, I cut you off then, but I think we'll, no we'll get back to that. We're, we're going to mix things up a bit tonight. Normally we'd leave audience questions till the end of the podcast record. But uh, David and I, we thought, why not? We'll just throw it open tonight. So, Jacob, do you want to unmute yourself in the middle of the record and ask your question? Because I think it's pretty key to what we're talking about. Well, yeah, thank you, Travis and uh, David, for the honour. But in, in all seriousness... Um, you know, for better or worse, there are people out there who quite dislike Sabro, and uh, I'm not one of them personally, but it's it's a popular opinion in some craft beer circles that they're not very happy with that particular hop. For me, it's more probably something like uh, Zappa that rubs me the wrong way, but I'm wondering, what is it about Sabro, do you think, that makes it such a divisive hop? Well, yeah, that's, that's a... Great question. Um, I'm probably not the right person to ask. I reckon there'd definitely be some better um, opinions uh, here in the tap room, in you know the chat room. But like for me personally, I'm a bit of a sour geek, so that's my jam. And uh, but doing this rotating um, hazy IPA label, the timely juicy IPA label, um, you know, it's uh, I often put. The hop selections, it's a bit of an open table with the rest of the brewing team. And uh, and I'm probably a little bit more biased towards using Australian and New Zealand hops personally. Um, but I'm really glad that the team really angled towards using uh, Idaho 7 and then, and then Sabro. And I'm... Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm definitely reckon it, it went well in this beer, but... Uh, yeah, it makes you wonder how, how you would use it um, in a single hop beer and I guess, you know, what styles, um, apart from like a juicy fluff bomb, it would work in, that's for sure. Hmm. Could I ask, I think it's really interesting to have two such contrasting styles of beer, if you, even if you just read what they were. But there's so many similarities here in terms of the mouthfeel, in terms of the flavour, but derived by different ways. Um, can you just give us a bit of an insight? You know, Scott only let us have two of the beers in the pack for this month. But, you know, what does your overall range of beers look like? And, you know, is this indicative of what you're normally aiming at? Um, well, yeah, there's definitely some funny co-occurrences between, you know, these two beers, that's for sure. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're definitely making quite a fair bit of these two styles, but then we have a uh, core range like every other brewery, um, you know, with, with a draft, a mid, a pale ale, some different sort of, um, IPAs and stuff like that as well. Uh, 
But and at the and at the end of the day, though, I guess in terms of, you know, if we could call it a house style or a or sort of, you know, what gets us excited at least with planning specialties like these, um, yeah, there's definitely definitely an interest in making beers that have impact, um, you know, whether that's uh, acidity or uh, these fruity hop characters. And ultimately, it's at the end of the day to make, uh, you know, something that's boozy and drinkable and an experience. And uh, both of the beers you're drinking is our attempt at, at trying to do that, that's for sure. Uh, Tom, while we're still sitting here drinking this beer, can you give us a bit of a bit of an idea on, on what's on the horizon for, for Loophole? There's a lot of people out there. Uh, that probably didn't even know you exist and and will know once the podcast episode goes up. Um, okay. Is there any any scoop you can give us on uh, what's coming up in the future? Uh, yeah, sure. We're, well, we're, we're getting excited about planning this next um, vintage. So we're obviously getting to see um, the vines have, you know, just flowered. Uh, we're getting excited about seeing the fruit set. And then uh, the, over the next couple of months, we'll see that develop and ripen. And uh, we've got some plans for uh, some more of our Astral Project beers, which is our sort of collaborative label name between Cape Jaffa Wines and the brewery here. And so, yeah, we're definitely focused on on, on getting those ones into production. Uh, it's also just a nice time of year where there's a hive of activity in the vineyard, the winery, it's harvest time as well. It's sort of you're seeing the sun set on a busy summer, so it's always a great time of year, uh, year down here. Um, we've been going through um, upgrades this last 12 months um, to sort of be able to to uh, not drop um, sales this summer. So 2022 is, yeah, it's going to be nice not it not being a construction site. Um, and, uh, yeah, and I guess, uh, just, uh, keep on, uh, trying to put something different out all the time. And, um, as well, I think it's just uh, probably what I've found really exciting here lately is we've gone from a small team, a, a one man band a couple of years ago and to be working in a team atmosphere and getting all this awesome input uh, every day about different hops to use and different fruits that we might want to add in beers. It's, uh, I think you can expect to see um, maybe a bit more of an eclectic range of um, specialties coming out over 2022. What, what's, your, uh, what's your brewing capacity down there? Like, Yep, so we've got a four-vessel, 12-hectolitre brew house, so really small in the scheme of things. Uh, and that was that's definitely helpful in enabling us to keep core beer fresh all the time, uh, but also it enables us to be constantly experimenting, um, you know, using smaller batches of fruit and and in selecting interesting barrels from the winery and stuff like that, um, so to speak. Uh, so, but I, we we obviously brew double brews a lot of the time. So we are sort of, um, yeah, what would you say? We are packaging about four to 5,000 litres of beer a week. Most of it 
we sold locally and into Adelaide and we're sending yeah, a fair bit over to Scott now. So yeah, we're, we're really small. Um, but, uh, you know, we've got a bit of growth left in, in this site, but it's just, you know, trying to find that, that mix in, uh, uh, you know, being able to do, um, be experimentative and have the time to be creative. Um, but also you've got to, um, you know, be really mindful of your labor input and just, um, keeping things rolling. So, um, yeah, we're pretty small, but we, we get a fair few rotations in that brew house every week. And, and how's the, how's the rope community, uh, taking you on board? Cause it's, it's a pretty tight knit community there. Yeah. I mean, it's not a massive population in that area. Have they embraced it? Have they? Yeah, I, no, we've definitely been embraced locally. I think a lot of that was helped by, uh, there's another brewery in Rogue, Rogue Town Brewery. You guys have probably had Rogue Town beers before and Morris, he's a great guy. Um, and so, you know, craft beer wasn't a new thing when we sort of started brewing beer here about five, six years ago. Uh, so that helped, but definitely uh, there is, um, we definitely find demand for our specialty beers, uh, uh, most of it elsewhere, um, distributing it to, to Victoria and to Adelaide. And, and certainly um, we sell a bit of it here locally um, as well. But yeah, we, um, we find it really interesting, uh, you know, that um, when people try our beers and, um, and come and visit us here as well, I think you yeah, definitely um, we're trying to sort of do that sense of place thing here because we see how it works with the wines. We see how it works with these um, fruit beers, but the vintage ones. So, um, so yeah, it's definitely uh, it's, it's definitely a beer trail down here. And uh, it's, it's been amazing to see in the five or six years, the amount of South Australian uh, breweries um, pop up and, and really a growth in, um, sour beer, fruited beer, barrel-aged beer. Yeah, nice. Um, we, uh, we're going to move on to the Valhalla beers after what we take a, a quick short break. But before we do, um, Tom, we have a, a traditional cool room question that uh, we like to ask, ask our guests, um, partly because we like to put them on the spot. And sometimes the answers to the question can be quite interesting give a really good insight to the brewery um what is the strangest coolest funniest craziest thing you've ever seen in a cool room or brewery or bar or disaster explosion we love an explosion story oh wow okay that that gets me i'm just thinking what do i want to uh Divulge. Um, yeah, no, no. And, and let's just imagine it's about another brewery rather than one you've ever been associated with. Um, yeah, okay. Uh, well, what? I, I, yeah, look, you see, you, see, you see crazy things. There's definitely crazy personalities in the brewing game, which is why, why we love it. Everyone's brought together by you know, love and beer and all of that. But there's nothing like, uh, you know, brewery fails and I've definitely had a, had a few in my, you know, particularly um, my first job, my first brewing gig up at Stone and Wood uh, there, definitely um, experienced a, a lot of in, the, in the first few months of the job. Probably one of the more memorable ones is, 
you know, we basically, and it's a bit the same up there now, but 90% of the time you're making Pacific ale, you've got a sea of fermenters of Pacific ale, something that needs to be dry hopped every day. And, uh, and it's not, wasn't often at that point in time where you got to, you had anything really different in the show. And, um, unfortunately, instead of hopping a Pacific ale, I hopped a tank of lager <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> which, yeah, it was pretty, pretty devastating when I realized and I had to tell the boss and, uh, he was really good about it. He said all the things you needed to say, of course, but, uh, you know, that was the first, um, one of the first forays into a special release at Stone and Wood, a dry hop. Yeah, that's what was about to That went out and, yeah, it was great. He said, okay, just chuck some more hops in it. And we did that and it was, yeah, it was a it was a hit in the brewery. But unfortunately, it was a legacy that I, uh, got, I get reminded of from my ex-colleagues a fair bit. But, yeah, thank God we didn't have to pour that down the drain. Yeah. Um, is, it, is it one of those sort of measure twice you know, uh, cut once type of things now that you, you do always double check what's on the fermenter when you. Exactly. That's it. And, uh, yeah, don't, don't ever assume that it's just going to be uh, a Pacific ale. Um, that's yeah. for sure. But no, definitely double, triple check and touch, uh, would, uh, haven't made that mistake again twice. It'll happen again. That's for sure. And while the zoom room takes a little intermission, here's a word from one of our friends. Hello there, it's Damien Gibson, former host of the podcast you're listening to right now. Fortunately, being an ex-podcast host is not my only credit anymore, as I have a new podcast called Agents of Narrative. It's an arts preview and review show where I play new songs and review the latest in films and TV shows. I also bring you long-form interviews with comedians, artists and musicians. Uh, That's Agents of Narrative, available for download and streaming on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Cool Room, the second part of our episode 114 with Scott from Valhalla. Tom from Loophole is still here with us. We're going to have some great yarns. I was uh, Before we start to talk to Scott, the other day I was looking up Eureka Brewing in Los Angeles. They're going to be our next guests. And I was having this little moment there, sort of halfway between Long Beach and... Um, Malibu and near the Getty Museum and I was thinking to myself what a grouse part of the world that would be to visit and then when Tom was talking before I was thinking lobster, I was thinking white wines, I was thinking delicious beers from Loophole if, you, if you're from overseas do yourself a favour as a great Australian once said just sort of look up the limestone coast in South Australia. It's an amazing place to visit. I'm sure that the South Australian Tourist Department will, you know, get on board, Trav, and give us both a train voucher to go over. And um, I reckon the last genuine time outside of the city of Melbourne that I've had lately was down in Geelong. We went down to visit Blackman's and there was some speedboat racing out on the bay um, and Valhalla is going to be top of the list of the places we go to when we do that. Scott, there's going to be a big brewing event down um, down Geelong Way soon. A few of us have been chatting about that in the uh, in our little break. Um, can you tell us what sort of the Geelong Craft Beer Festival looks like? What you might have lined up, and um, how quickly the cool rumours need to book in to get into the venue? Ah, uh, well, 
funny you ask that. I'm actually, we're not actually going to be at the festival. <laughs> but uh, it's, uh, it's a great festival. I haven't been for a couple of years, but uh, it, it is a big festival. And uh, yeah, it's a great time. They moved it two years ago from the showgrounds uh, into uh, a park right in the centre of town. And um, I think that's really changed the dynamic a lot of the festival. Um, we certainly, uh, we see people after they've had a day at the festival at the, at the tap room afterwards, and uh, they're certainly in a good mood. So, uh, yeah. How, how, far, how far is that park from your, from your venue, mate? Oh, less than 10 minute walk. So, uh, even after, uh, even after five hours of a beer festival. So, <laughs> so, so do you reckon we might just have a little cool room catch up down there, gang? I'm looking at the Zoom room. They're all nodding, or they will soon, because it's the kind of people they are. They're biddable. Uh, I reckon we might just have a little cool room catch up down in Geelong very soon. Sounds good. Sounds great. It's, uh, yeah, um, look, Geelong, Geelong's, uh, Geelong's a great town for beer now, you know. Like, it's, uh, it's probably... It's come a long way in the last couple of years, and uh, we've got some great breweries in Geelong. So, uh, yeah, there'll be a good local representation, which is fantastic, and um, there'll be obviously some some great breweries from outside of Geelong there as well. So, Now, I haven't looked up exactly which number episode you were on. It's not that long ago in one sense that you were on, but, gee, the world feels like a different place. Where I think we spoke when we were in lockdown... South Bendigo was still playing footy because it was winter. I've been up to scope the ground, the new grandstand, mate. I can tell you that the Harry Trot Oval is ready to rock and roll in Bendigo. Um, welcome back to the show. It's great to have you on. Thank you. It's good to be here. Can, can you take us back on a little guided tour of this beer? You know, if we were doing it in a tasting room, tell us how it looks in the glass. Tell us about the colour, the aromas, the flavours. Then we'll talk about how you how you've achieved that as a brewer. Okay, so yeah, so Freya Moon, uh, well, it's a, it's tropical IPA. It's become a uh, core range in the last uh, little while. So in the last couple of batches, um, it was a seasonal beer originally, um, and uh, so we moved it into core range when we sort of redesigned our core range recently and and kind of simplified it down to tropical IPA. But everyone everyone certainly our regulars and. Everyone locally knows, still knows it as Freya Moon. Um, it's it was designed really as a as a West Coast IPA, but with a real passion fruit character. Mm. Uh, when when I first brewed it, and it, well, up till the the most recent batch, actually, it had um, it actually had passion fruit uh, pulp in it uh, to really kick on that passion fruit character. But the the last batch we brewed it was the first time we brewed it without passion fruit at all. So it's all hops now. Um, I believe that was a trivia question in a much uh, hotly contested uh, cool room trivia night once. Oh, really? Is there passion fruit in the in the passion fruit IPA or not? So the answer was yes, but now it's no. So uh, the answer yeah, was no for anyone yes. listening back and trying oh. to recontest those results. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, so we, I just. I felt like being a core range beer now, I wanted to keep it more, you know, I guess a traditional way of making the beer without the fruit. Uh, or, sorry, a, a West Coast style IPA without the fruit. Uh, very clean malt bill, uh, pale malt. We, we uh, probably mentioned this last time, but we use almost pretty much 95% exclusively voyage malt from the Riverina in New South Wales. Uh, so it's their pale, pale malt. Um, with a little bit of wheat in it, we, we tend to put a bit of wheat in our beers for a bit of head retention. <clears throat> um, and then a little bit of the, the Voyager Voodoo malt, just to add a tiny bit of colour. 
Um, but yeah, it's pretty clean malt bill, and then uh, and then a bunch of hops that uh, really is all about the tropical character. So um, so yeah, and you'll get a bit of bitterness at the end as well. Um, because I do like bitterness and beer still, despite the way the world's gone with uh, with, uh, with beers and everyone loves hazies and juices and beers with no bitterness. But, uh, you know, I still love a bit of bitterness to finish it off. So, uh, so yeah, it, it, based on a West Coast style, uh, I guess. Um, with, uh, Can I ask what that means for you? Like, <clears throat> different people have very different interpretations of what West Coast style means. And for some, it's higher alcohol. It's... Uh, more resiny hops, whereas this does have that more sort of fruity tropical flavour coming through. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Like, we're seeing a bit of a revival of West Coast styles, and we're seeing probably that more old school. I mean, it's funny to call it old school because the West Coast isn't really that that, that older school, uh, older style, but compared to what what IPAs t- tend to be these days, um, it, you know you're getting that sort of reasonable malt bill in a, in a typical sort of West Coast, old school West Coast IPA. You're getting a, you know, a reasonable malt bill. You are getting dankness, probably a bit of piney dankness uh, and, a, and, a, and a nice bitterness to finish it off to balance out that, that kind of sweet malt character. Um, this is a more, I don't know, there, there was a shift a while back when um, before the hazies took over where everyone started cleaning up the malt bill and making it really nice and, and sort of light so that the hops would really shine through, you know, and, and, and the malt wasn't taking away from the hops at all. And this is probably more that that more later sort of style of West Coast um, where, yeah, the malt is really light and clean and crisp and then, uh, and then yeah, the hops really um, shine through rather than, yeah, the malt doesn't take away from the hops at all. I'm, I'm going to do what Travis does to me from time to time, which is just sort of throw to a random person in the audience and, and ask what they think of the beer. Tom, I don't know whether you've got this beer with you, but how many of Scott's beers have you had and, and you know, how much sort of, you know, you've collaborated before? Uh, style of brewing, what do, you, what do you enjoy? Oh, unfortunately, I don't have one of these beers in front of me because it sounds delicious, uh, that's for sure. And I do... All the things Scott was saying really resonates with me. Why, you know, I think we'll always see uh, West Coast IPAs out because that bitterness is so important to really cut through some of that malt and all that body. Um, you know, you know, and as well, I guess it's you know it's such a um, a, he- a heavier style of beer as well. You need something to cut cut through it. Um, but yeah, I guess in terms of um, uh, West Coast in general, there's yeah definitely room for some interpretation um, uh, with it there, but it's it's um it's it's a bit it's a bit hard to um you know be able to uh you know to be able to have multiple IPAs out at the moment. I'll tell you, I do always love with Scott's beers, particularly. Uh, his American pale ale that he released a few months ago, I really loved as well that that for a pale ale had uh, a really nice bitterness because at the end of the day, he's right, it's really moved towards uh, a lot of aroma hopping and sometimes the hops in the brew house um, that you get used hot side get forgotten about, uh, that's for sure. And um, I'm definitely of the opinion that 
uh, a good good bitterness in a beer actually really helps you to be able to drink more of it sometimes, which is the key, obviously, to it. Um, but, yeah, definitely um, with what Scott was saying, with using Voyager malts, he really wanted to feature them in the couple of collabs uh, that we did earlier this year that we've been referring to. And, uh, and I think that's, uh, that's what probably makes, you know, what you guys are drinking pretty exciting. Um, particularly that voodoo malt, uh, we got to use that in the Shiraz Sour and uh, it adds really interesting malt character. So I think I'm going to have to order a, a box of this from Scott <laughs> for, for uh, after New Year's, that's for sure. Good call. Yeah, so just going back a bit, I guess, um, originally our original IPA was uh, Aragon IPA, which was a, a more probably old school West Coast IPA. And, you know, I, when I think West Coast IPAs, I think, you know, Blackman's Reginald or, or, or um, you know, Big Surf and the Grifter or, you know, these sorts of beers that really sum up what I, what I think a, an old school West Coast IPA would be. But, uh, but I did, you know, I did see that tastes were changing. So I think that's why we sort of pushed Aragon out into uh, more of our seasonal or limited release range and then brought Freya uh, the tropical IPA in because I did recognise that people are looking for something a little bit cleaner and fruitier than uh, than the old school West Coast as a as a you know regular beer to drink. Um, yeah, so that, that's probably why yeah Freya has come in as uh, as a core range now. We we had some questions in the Zoom room, um, Jacob. I don't know whether you wanted to unmute yourself and ask your question. Um, but, you know, you obviously, Scott, have a real style and, uh, you know, in terms of your labelling, in terms of your naming, and I think Jacob's keen to learn a bit more about that. Yeah, I was just uh, quite impressed with the, uh, the can art, like of the Tropical IPA in particular. Uh, I just think it's incredibly well done. I'm someone with a history of a fan of comic books. I just feel whoever your artist is who I'd like to know, if they're not doing graphic novels, they probably should be. Uh, well, I actually do all my own art is, um can art. So um, I was a graphic designer for 15 years before I uh, got into uh, the industry that I was in before I was into brewing. So yeah, I, I, still, <laughs> I, I love to, uh, it still keeps my hand in it, which I love. I, I um, Yeah, I don't know. It's part of the creative process, I guess, for me. I mean, I'll be honest, I'm not an illustrator. So I do, I do pay illustrators to do the illustrations and I'll build the labels around those. Um, so Freya, for example, was just a black and white illustration uh, we added the wings, uh, we added the sort of silver hair and the colours and, and the moon and the, the runes and, you know, what have you. So um, the illustration is not, I can't claim that, but but we sort of, I sort of built the, the label design around the, the illustration. So, um, and look, uh, a lot of our stuff is built around, uh, you know, mythology and mythological themes, which obviously from the name Valhalla is you know, a great love of mine. And uh, at the end of the day, I just, I just like having fun with this stuff, you know, it was, um, uh, it's, it's a creative fun process for me, not only designing the beers and making the beers, but also the, the labels and everything else that comes with the experience of picking up a Valhalla beer and, and drinking it. And, and Tom, uh, Scott, do you also name the beers yourself? Like where, where's the name of this beer come from? Uh, well, Freya was the goddess of, I don't know, passion, I guess. She was, she was, 
she's sort of the goddess, the goddess of love and war. You know, she's kind of, um, yeah, she she was like the extremes of, of human passion. So uh, so it, it kind of fitted in with that whole passion fruit theme, I think. Yeah, nice. Can, can I ask, and this always seems like an odd sort of question to ask in one sense, but we have two really distinct kind of listeners in the room. You know, people who, who aspire to own a brewery, you know, who are in their 30s and 40s and have done other things, and others, oh, and Travis, who's in his 50s, sorry, mate, I'm going to leave you out. Um, it's right, I'm there with And you. others who are younger, but, but you know, you've just said that you've gone through other sort of sort of things, you know, what was it like at that moment where you said, oh, no, this might work? And obviously now you've got the venue and things are working. Can you talk us through a little bit of that story? I find that kind of thing fascinating. Oh, look, it's been probably a long, drawn-out story, really, with Valhalla because Valhalla started as just a bit of a fun project, you know. It wasn't... I was working in another industry... I'll uh, Don't judge me, but it was real estate. <laughs> I think David knows that, but nobody else might not... But uh, so I was working in real estate at the time. And it just wasn't really. It was. I mean, I was working for myself, which was which was fine. But um, it just wasn't really, you know, tickling my fancy. You know, I, I didn't really feel fulfilled. And I'd been a home brewer for a long time, and I started talking to people who had started their own breweries, meeting people like Ren from Blackman's and Jamie from Cockies, local brewery brewers who had been home brewers and, and gone into owning their own brewery. But also learning about the gypsy brewing model, which which made me think, you know, I don't necessarily have to spend three hundred thousand dollars on stainless steel. I can I can you know dabble in this. I know there'll be people in the industry probably don't like me saying that, but it just you know it just was meant to be a fun project to start with, and I guess the beers were well received, the brand was well received, and and uh, it just got to the point where it was either you know, all or nothing. So it became all and, and uh, yeah, put everything into it. So Was there a scary moment there? Was there, you know, that sort of point where you went, oh, you know, a week or two in or a month or two in or a year and you went, oh, gee, you know, I should go back to doing the old trade or... Oh, I don't know. The quality of the beers, does it always just sort of work through? Definitely make more money selling real estate than selling beer, but... Uh, <laughs> it's a hell of a lot more fun selling beer and, and uh, Susan sold a lot better, I think. But uh, no, not really. Look, not really. I guess I've been in business for myself for nearly twenty years, so I guess the business part of it wasn't that scary. I think that's probably the scary pe- thing for a lot of people. That whole, you know, you might have worked in a job, you know, for, for forever, and and you're thinking of jumping in and starting a brewery, but you, like it's that kind of starting a business side of it that's probably the scariest part. Yeah. For me, for me, that really wasn't the scariest part. It was probably for me. It was more, you know putting my creativity out there and expecting people to pay for it. You know what I mean? Like making sure I could, I could make really good beers. And I didn't want to, I just, I didn't want to put myself out there and make half-assed or shit beers. I wanted to make sure that if I was going to do this, it was, you know, it was going to stack up with anything else in, you know, out there in the markets. So that was probably more scary than actually starting a brewing business. Um, Perhaps just to pick up on that. I mean, it's interesting, you know, some of your beers are some of the most highly awarded beers in Australia now in terms of craft beer. How many of that sort of initial offering that you thought of are still in the market and how many are the are new things when we look at what is the Valhalla core range now? Well, the big one is obviously Obsidian, which just won Best 
Stoutle, my champion Stoutle Porter in Australia with the AIBA awards. And that's probably the one I'm proudest of because it's, that's the one that has not changed. You know, it's, it's the same homebrew recipe, you know, one homebrew comp and I thought, well, you know, let's have a crack at this. It's the first one we released, uh, you know, releasing a black IPA probably towards the end of the black IPA craze was, was probably it was not crazy. I missed that completely. When was that? Before <laughs> I was born, it, it was, a, it was a thing for a while. It, we're talking six years ago, but <laughs> um, you know, it was uh, it was, and that's kind of. I think that goes to the the, uh, the point that it wasn't really initially intended to be a big. You know, I, w- I wasn't in, intending on making a fortune out of this. It was like I want to make a black IPA. I want to put it out the market. You know what I mean? But to win it, uh, to win that, uh, to be awarded champion beer in that category this year really is what's probably made me prouder than anything else that we've done simply because it's the same beer that I've always, you know, we started with. So, um, so that's definitely one, uh, gold nail is, is, was one of the, probably about the third beer we released. It's come a long way. It's been developed a long way. Um, uh, it's changed a fair bit since the early days. It's a hell of a lot better beer than it was and it. And, um, so, you know, some of those, some of those beers, you know, our red IPA has, has changed over time. So yeah, a lot of the beers have definitely developed. Um, but then yeah, others like Obsidian have pretty much stayed the same. So. Now I'm not sure about everyone else in the room, but I sort of feel like we're not far off going over to our next beer. Travis, you look like you're thirsty and ready to rock and roll. Um, um, I'm hanging for this beer. This is, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm really glad we're finishing the night on, on this beer. So. Well, lead the way. And, Tom, don't feel you need to be quiet. You know, um, feel jump in mm. with whatever questions you want to ask. Yeah, totally. yeah that's it. Yep. So, I'll, well, I'll introduce the beer, I guess. Um, Raz is, yeah. our, is a uh, limited release. It's a seasonal beer that we, I think, only released about uh, three versions of this. It's also sort of um, changed a little bit over time. Uh, it's now 6.8%, uh, kettle sour, um, heaps of raspberry. I think this last this last batch, we, we put 168 kilos of raspberry puree in a, in a 12 hectolitre batch. So, um, and a fair bit of lactose to give it a bit of creaminess. Um, yeah, just a really nice, fun beer. It's just really well loved. In fact, my wife and daughter love this beer and they, well, my, my daughter's never liked beer <laughs> and my wife's never really liked sours. So it's, it's just, yeah, it's a bit of a crowd pleaser, I think. Oh, I'd... Probably important to say how old your daughter is. Yeah, it's like, hang on a sec, how old your daughter? Oh, she's 18. Oh, so she's legal. <laughs> you're, you only look like you're 22 compared to Travis 58 or whatever. <laughs> and it'd, be, um, it'd be like me me saying my daughter likes beer, but she's only 16 months. It's, yeah. Um, <laughs> this, this is just absolutely amazing. And it's the perfect weather for, for this type of beer. Um, give us a bit of an insight onto, on the brewing process of this because I think... You know, we started with a sour tonight from Tom and we're finishing with a sour. It'll be interesting to get a bit of an insight and comparison on the two. Yeah, so once again, I mean, it's a, you know, it's a kettle sour. It's not, um, it's not overly sour. The raspberry does a lot of the talking, I think, with this beer. Um, I mean, again, we use the Voyager Pale Schooner Malt as the base. Um, you know, it's, it's 
it's very much uh, based around that uh, as the malt base. <clears throat> um, so, you know, we're talking, you know, 80, 80 odd percent of the malt bill is that. Uh, we've got some malted oats also from Voyager. Uh, we've got a little bit of biscuit malt um, just to add a little bit of sort of biscuity character to it. So the whole thing is raspberry lime tart sour. So it's, 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 um, interview like a, you know, a biscuity tart that, uh, that has raspberry lime in it, you know, transposed into a beer, I guess. Um, it, it's very much based on our, um, core range sour, which is our, um, lime bucket, a uh, lime cheesecake sour. Um, but, um, with a shitload of raspberries added to it really and, and higher alcohol. What do you change between it? Is it literally just adding the raspberry? Uh, well, it's higher alcohol too. So our, our core range sour is like 4% and this is 6.8. So higher malt bill, uh, a bit more lactose, um, just a bit more of everything really. But yeah, and then and then all the raspberries. So yeah, yeah. There's a real theme tonight with this six point something percent yeah. years we're tasting. <laughs> it's like it's, it's become a bit of a bit of a theme um i could drink this all day no questions asked it is absolutely smashable um so much so that i'm not sure where to go from here it's uh well well, well can i ask a little bit of a question can i jump in for a moment we're talking about the 6.8s and things like that uh, again for newer listeners and people who don't understand how what you've got to pay in terms of tax and so forth as alcohol levels increases. It's a big decision to go to a 6% beer rather than a 4% beer, isn't it, in terms of what you've got to pay, or am I wrong? Uh, well, it, it was, but the new uh, the new excise laws uh, give us a far better tax break on that now, so we, we have a lot more room to, to move. Um, Tom, might, Tom might know more about it than I do, but um, he might correct me, but, yeah, definitely uh, that's certainly helped because we uh, we have a far higher bracket that we can work within smaller brewers anyway. Um, uh, so yeah, so it, it, that certainly helps. It allows us to have a bit more fun without worrying about how much it's going to cost us. But uh, having said that, the raspberries aren't cheap either. So you know, you can't write them. I know that. A couple that's of grams worth of raspberry in the morning. Yeah, yeah. So uh, they're yeah. Uh, yeah it's uh, it's again. I think you mentioned you know earlier to Tom about uh, worrying about pouring the hops in it's not just about the fact that it might explode you know might gush back up all over you it's also thousands of dollars worth of hops just as it is thousands of dollars worth of fruit that you're thrown in there so if you don't get it right it's a it's an expensive mistake yeah no that yeah totally it's it's an excise you know that's definitely been pretty nice that uh we've gotten that that extra bit of break there with that reimbursement but uh it's it's also i don't know there's something about <laughs> every beers can some some recipes some beers can just taste a lot better over six percent with a bit more alcohol in them um they're definitely you know maybe it's also a reflection of sort of drinking habits as well you know deciding to enjoy a handful of cans rather than you know uh, a high volume of a lower alcohol beer and you know seeking impact and you know wanting to have a conversation about a beer might be you know a part to do with why we 
as craft brewers really enjoy making these higher alcohol beers. Uh, that's for sure. But yeah, look, there's a lot, a lot of enjoyment in having, um, in having uh, one of these higher alcohol beers. That's for sure. And I'm just uh, I definitely need to organise myself so I can get some of this raspberry sour because, uh, like, hearing the amount of raspberry that's got chucked into that tank and knowing how much it costs uh, and knowing how much it adds, uh, yeah, I reckon it would be uh, an amazing beer that you guys are drinking, that's for sure. I'll send you over a little Christmas present, Tom. And and don't worry, Tom, we'll add you to the Cool Room mailing list, and if you're not on the Cool Room mailing list already and you're listening, uh, coolroompodcast at gmail.com. Just drop us a little message to say you'd like to be on there. Um, You're not wrong. This is a a magnificent beer. Um, Before I throw back to Travis, do you want to do sort of a similar little tasting thing for us and... Just, you know, talk us through, you know, what we look at when we hold it up to the light, uh, you know, what's, what aromas we should be getting, what flavours. Take us on a little tasting tour around the beer. Uh, well, yours certainly looks very creamy compared to, uh, to mine there. Mm. <laughs> David, you've got... You've got uh, the same thing. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so well, colour-wise, it's, it's pink. You know, it's a really lovely pink colour from the raspberries, which is great. Raspberry doesn't always add. Uh, people expect raspberry to look really red, but it, 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 it's um, it's not particularly red. It's more a pink colour, and I think the fact that we've got a quite a you know reasonably darkish pink here um, attests to how much raspberry is actually in it. Um, yeah, it, it's all about the raspberry, really. I, I don't know what else to say. You know, it's um, on, on the palate. You've got the creaminess from the lactose. You're definitely getting that. The lime's pretty subtle, but I think. I like lime in beer, and in that it just—it seems to just really uh, add a little punchiness and and lift some other flavours out. Um, but yeah, it's it's very much about the raspberry, creamy. It's not overly sour, which I think um, people who are a little scared of sours really get into this beer because it, it, it's the, the sourness probably comes more from the fruit than anything. Um, so yeah, it's not overly tart. But it's just got a nice little tartness to to balance it. Um, perhaps like uh, bitterness balance is a good IPA, you know, the, the, the sourness is, you know, a good way to sort of balance the, the sweetness of the fruit. Is is the lime something that comes out more, it sits, like it, mine's pretty cold at the moment. Is it going to change over a period of time? I'm not sure I've sat that long on a res to, to know the difference. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not sure I will either, but... No. <laughs> It's not necessarily a beer that uh, you sit on that long, but look, I'll go back a second to what Tom said as far as um, the high, you know, six plus percent beers. I mean, we do make a lot of six plus percent beers. We we make a lot in that six to seven percent range, and I think it, it it really is a good spot for because to to lift the alcohol, you're adding more malt basically, so you, you you're lifting that sort of malt profile to give it a nice sort of gutsy. Um, feel to it, but then you also got to add some, you know, hops or, or bitterness or fruit or whatever to balance it out, you know. So you, you just just punching it up a little bit to a really nice place, I think, where um, you know, beer is just really satisfying. Um, and what does that higher alcohol allow you to do? Sometimes when we speak to brewers, I mean, it's been really interesting tonight. It's always interesting to talk to brewers with Tom, he's talking about those sort of long chain sugars and how they affect, you know, the brewing process, talking about impact with, you know, flavours. You know, 
what is it that sort of you focus on? What's your ethos and which brewers did you learn that from? Oh, look, I, yeah, again, I just think it's just that experience of having a really nice a beer that's just got plenty of flavour and punch to it. You know, it's, um, you don't want to drink something that's watery or, or thin or, um, it, you know, even, you know, even, even our sort of Kolsch, for example, you know, still got a really nice malt background to it, which I think comes from using those, you know, the Voyager and the, um, you know, the, the, the Voyager malts, which I don't know, just, I, I just, you want something that's going to really round your palate out um, and not be too sort of thin and boring. So I, I think that's, that's what I'm trying to achieve in a beer, I guess. Um, I don't, I don't want, you know, I, I want people to be able to drink a pint or two of it, a schooner or two of it, um, not sort of sip, you know, half a, half a can and go, oh, I can't finish that. It's just too much. It was fun and interesting, but I just can't finish it. I still want people to be able to enjoy having a beer, even if it's challenging their taste buds a little bit. You know? Yeah. Nice. Good answer. That's, that's awesome. Um, I don't. This beer is amazing. I like. I could drink this all day. This is great. Um, Scott, give us a bit of an insight. Like, what's what's next on the cards for for you guys? David mentioned earlier about uh, the awards and and where things have gone over the last few years. Um, what, what's next for you, dude? Oh, the next is definitely building our own brewery. I mean, there's no question of that. We're 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 struggling to you know, to make enough beer at the moment. And um, we keep running out of even our core range. We've got a great, we've got a great um, relationship with Cocky's Brewery in, in Geelong where we brew all our beers at the moment. But we're at the point now that that, that arrangement is just not allowing us to make enough beer. It's not allowing us the flexibility to, to do enough um, limited release stuff, you know, or experimental stuff. So... Um, so that's, you know, we're, we're in the process of working towards something by mid next year, by sort of July, 2022. And, um, it's the scoop. It's the scoop. Apart from everyone in the tap room, I keep, I keep telling this story too, but yeah, no, it's, um, that's, that's definitely the next, I mean, we've been, I've been dilly dallying around this for years, you know, and I think the relationship with cockies has kind of allowed me to sit on my laurels a bit, but now it's, it's really time to, push forward on that so um so that's what we're working towards um and you know our barrel aged our, our sort of farmhouse style barrel aged stuff's what's what's really exciting as well we've just released our fourth you know uh what we're calling our anomaly crafted ale series based um named after anomaly street where our our warehouse and our barrel program is um so we've just released the raspberry and hibiscus um barrel aged sour ale and yeah, that stuff's really fun as well. So, um, so do more of that, which is, which is yeah, exciting. Well, he he's hoping we can get down to a a brewery and a a place where we can record the next podcast for your trifecta. And uh, yeah, for sure. And, I mean, you're always welcome at the tap room, and the tap room's we'll, fun. And it's but it, you know, there's no stainless in there, but it's still it's still the vibe that we want to present when when people think of Valhalla and Valhalla beers. So um, yeah. And how are you all after the uh, the craft beer festival? And, and how do the the like the locals go? You know, how's the tap room going for you guys coming out at the other side of lockdown? Oh, it's fantastic! Kicking it's, off again? Yeah, it's it's better than ever, really. I mean, we've 
Um, and we've got a great, we've got a great core group of, of regulars who have been with us since day one, almost, you know, and just, you know, they love what we do. You know, we love them. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's great. We've got guys who come in, they call it church, you know, we're going to church. <laughs> I text them, we're going to church today. You know, so it's that kind of group. But we've also been, I think, in some ways been discovered by a new group of people, probably in some ways, you know, ironically, we've been helped by some of the lockdowns or the, the limited numbers some of the bigger venues in Geelong have had because people have had to find somewhere else because they can't go to the big pubs, you know. They're now about 10 people or 20 people or whatever. So that's kind of helped us be discovered a little bit and I think that will continue to... to um, be seen with their numbers in you know going forward so um so yeah so yeah no it's going real well you know it's only small venue but it's you know we yeah it's it's a great place for us to to pour our beers and play some great music and yeah how many taps in the tapper i've uh, got 10 oh, so, nice. yeah. yeah so typically yeah. we'll we'll aim to have about seven or eight of our own beers and, and two or three um guest taps um, are, you, are your guest taps all sort of local breweries? That oh, they mostly come from the Lotus portfolio, actually. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so you know, we've got great breweries on board, like uh, Loophole. Obviously, we've got um, we've actually got the Shrez, um Sour that we did with uh, with Tom on tap at the moment. Um, but you know, breweries like Tentos and Rebel from Queensland, Helios, um, Yulies from Sydney, uh, Old Wise Isles from Melbourne. Um, yeah, so we've got some really great Australian, all Australian independent breweries. Um, but there's always something new and interesting on tap. Scott, the one question we haven't asked you yet, mate. Oh. And that, like you've oh. had plenty of time to think about it. Uh, last time David gave me some, some questions and I had time to think about it. And then, well, I, I reckon you probably, you probably answered the call room question before, but it'll be interesting to see if you come up with something different. Um, what's the, the craziest weirdest thing you've ever seen in a cool room in a cool room well we've got or, a big cool room or a brewery or a pub or a your backyard we've got a, we've got a big cool room that's that's chock-a-block at the moment so um they're trying to get in there and shuffle stuff around is always fun with the with the forklift um and trying not to uh knock walls out and, and whatever with a, with a forklift but um i don't know look a bit uh you know the tap room's always fun there's always interesting and Cool stuff to, to see there, but I probably shouldn't reveal too many of those secrets. But um, uh, Tom, Tom mentioned before about you know putting hops into a, a fermenting beer, and um, yeah, the first time that happened to me, that was yeah, that was that was fun. <laughs> Just uh, dumping because we're you know we're we're dumping in a, a lot of hops, uh, dry hopping in, into a beer that's still active, uh, and to hear that that sound. <laughs> As the as the beer starts rising and, and gushing out, and to get covered in that, that's uh, that's not a fun experience for the first time. <laughs> uh, no. I'll, I'll leave it at that one. Vic, Vic, all. I'm I'm with you, mate. That is a scary sound when yeah. you're fumbling with the hatch on the tank. On top of the ladder, you... yeah. On top of the ladder. On top of the ladder. That's yeah. right. That's Trying to get the hatch tied. Um, <laughs> Back down, yeah. Yes. Very, yeah. It's, uh, guys, um, thank you very much for joining us tonight. Um, we are still sitting on the beers, which is good. Uh, the guys in the Zoom room 
as always, you can hang around, have a chat, drink some more beers. Um, Scott and Tom, if you guys have got time to hang around, feel free to stick around and enjoy a beer with everyone. And that's where we're going to leave episode 114 of The Cool Room. Uh, Again, a big thanks to Scott, big thanks to Tom, and of course to Travis for co-hosting with me and to everyone who was in the Zoom room with us. Uh, We hope that you enjoyed that. And um, if you haven't been in the Zoom room, if you've only listened to the podcasts, keep an eye on our Facebook. Make sure you give us a like there so that you can see all of the events that we've got coming up. Uh, As you hear there, that gives you the opportunity to sit around after the recorded portion of the show is over and have a chat to the brewers and to the other people while we enjoy the rest of the beers that are in the tasting packs. So it's certainly a way to add value uh, if you're buying the packs. Um, Hopefully you'll be able to join us again sometime soon. Until then, uh, goodbye from the cool room.